Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is July 31st, 2022. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Alberta today. And Lewis out here in BC. So we have to apologize for the sound quality today because, uh, uh, well, the app that we normally connect through is not working. Yeah, and we tried valiantly. We tried going through their website that redirected us back to the app and rebooted all of our devices. Yet, here we are, back on, back going old school and recording over the phone. So apologies, yeah. Canada, but we're, uh, we're still here for you. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So, uh... How's the uh, lion diet going, Lewis? Uh, sorry? How's your old lion diet going, the carnivore diet? Oh, the carnivore diet. The carnivore diet's going fantastic. I am uh, down 17 pounds. Good for you. And, yeah, and, uh, and I really, like, just physically, mentally, everything, I just feel, like, better than ever. Oh, that's awesome. So now, it's not that you, do you eat only meat or do you just make certain you have meat with every meal? No, only meat. Um, the only thing I sprinkle in there is uh, some seafood, but uh, but I have that with my steak. So, like, I'll have some scallops or some uh, uh, some prawns, but, uh, but it's just steak or or, you know, ground beef or something, but, um, but nothing else. Wow. Oh, well, that's awesome. That's awesome that the, the weight's just dropping off of you. That's, uh, that's great. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Okay. So, uh, as we were talking before the show started, I'm actually, uh, downtown Edmonton right now. I was here for a, a wedding yesterday. And for those of you who, folks who are in the Edmonton area, and obviously we do have some listeners in Edmonton, I'm right across from where there used to be an airport downtown, and, uh, well, Lewis, uh, I didn't realize I surprised you with, a, with the used to be an airport downtown. Yeah, well, I didn't live too far away from there, um, God, what, 20 years ago, and, uh, I mean, I got, I even got to watch a couple of British Harrier jet, jump jets take off from that airport, and, uh, and, uh, so, yeah, when you told me that it wasn't there anymore, I was like, I was a little surprised. Yeah. Well, I do remember when I lived here in 1998, there was, well, there was a vote in 95 and another one in 98 because the 95 plebiscite was really, had a really confusing ballot question. And then in 98, the uh, citizens of Edmonton voted very clearly, let's get rid of the municipal airport and just leave the one that was 20 miles south of the city as the, uh, the only airport. Which yeah. Is... Isn't that funny, eh? Like, uh, the Edmonton airport isn't even uh it's not like it's not even not only is it not even in edmonton it's not even close to edmonton yeah exactly so. <laughs> it's like it's in a different city <laughs> yeah and very you know in the very reactionary nature of canadian politics only now is the city of edmonton building its light rail transit to get out to the airport which still won't be completed for many years in the future but there's a kind of thought of that after the fact that, oh, well, hey, maybe we should make a way to get out there 
much more easy for citizens 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and it's more than 20 years later. It's it's like the, I don't I mean when I lived there uh I moved there in 98. Yeah, I moved to Edmonton in 98 and uh uh that airport was uh was already up and running when I moved there, so yeah, it, it was uh well, it was very convenient. So that's probably why the city had to to get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, Canada, we've got a good show for you today. On the show today, white privilege is becomes more inclusive. The who said what? The Trudeau government names their price. Another politician looking for a new job. And more. Where do you want to start, sir? Oh, let's start with the uh, government naming their price. All right. This is an issue that is definitely near and dear to your heart, Lewis. So it's uh, one that uh, I'm sure you'll have an opinion or two on. The federal government has now announced that, uh, well, they re-announced the amnesty period for, for the confiscation of certain firearms that they put on a banned list. So now uh, firearms owners will have until October 30th of 2023 to take advantage of the government's buyback program. Now, you and I are both firearms owners. I know for a fact I did not buy a single firearm from the government. Did, did, did you go to uh, Government Firearms Inc. for any of your, uh, your, 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 your rifles? No, I did not. So, yeah, that's, that's where... I uh, I've always found the term buyback to be uh, well I don't know slightly misleading or confusing because we didn't buy the guns from them in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So I don't really like the idea of this term buyback because yeah, I the only way government was involved with any of my firearm purchases is they collected taxes from it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, and, and, and I mean, let's, we, we should mention some of the prices because, I mean, some of them are fair, uh, but some of them are, are way too low. Well, that was what I was going to ask you about. So I, uh, I did copy down a few of them. This come right from the government press release. So they, the, the, well, let's talk about the most deadly lethal, the AR platform, because that's the AR-15 has gotten such a bad rap here. So Oh, oh the one that will liquefy your uh, organs? Yes, the one that was designed for the sole purpose of killing as many people as quickly as possible, to quote Justin Well, Trudeau. yeah, but, I mean, th- it was actually said that the, a- that the AR-15 is so powerful it will liquefy your organs. <laughs> <laughs> that was a government that was a government official who said that oh my god the stupid is strong with that one <laughs> AR-15s AR-15s shoot a 223 which is the bullet is barely bigger than a 22 bullet yeah no 223 is that not what I use in my SKS yeah yeah so <laughs> I mean, it's 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 the NATO uh, bullet, right? Like it's 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 a it's a cheap bullet. That's why it's that size, right? It's because they can they can afford to just make billions of rounds of it. Okay, so so that 
AR-15 that will uh, allegedly liquefy someone's organs. <laughs> oh, that's that's good. That 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 that's gold. <laughs> Sorry, Canada, indulge me. Um, anyway, the AR-15, the M-16, the AR-10, the M-4 carbine, thirteen hundred and thirty-seven dollars. That even remotely fair? Uh, it's it's less than what the gun costs to buy new, um, but it's not unreasonable uh, in terms of you know if you don't turn them in, they're going to confiscate them. Uh, True. I mean, and these prices they say they're based on what Canadians quote may have paid in 2019 so it's a yeah it's that's that's a bit low i believe an ar-15 costs about 2500 bucks brand new so so that's uh well that's all that's barely more than half then yeah yeah well but i mean if you've had if you've had an ar-15 for 30 years it's a pretty good deal um but at the same time i mean it's not a good deal in that they're you know they're forcing you to take this money and give and hand over your your gun that that was in no danger of ever killing anybody. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Now the next categorization categorized uh, weapon they have was the Beretta C4 Storm, and that one's also thirteen hundred bucks, thirteen seventeen. Now that's a, a gun I'm not even actually familiar with, but I'm gonna guess that it's one of those ones that just can be dressed up to look scary. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. I mean, I don't, I don't know that that particular firearm very well. Uh, I just know that I've seen online uh, in some of the firearms groups that I'm a member of that people are complaining. I mean, not not necessarily about this one, but about others on the list that uh, where you know it can cost. I mean, you can you can have ten to fifteen, maybe even twenty thousand dollars invested in one uh, gun, and that they're offering like twenty five or twenty six hundred dollars for. Oh, geez, yeah, and actually, one of those is coming up right away. But the uh, the Ruger Mini fourteen. Now, this one has been in the press an awful lot because the douchebag that we will never name on this show happened to have one in Nova Scotia. And that Ruger Mini 14, and now, Lewis, you you mentioned this number of times on the show, that when it comes from the store, it actually just looks like that little wooden rifle that a, that someone would go out and shoot gophers with out in the prairies. But there was also, I think it was you referenced the picture of that coming out of the store by itself looking quite harmless to someone dressing it up so that it looks really badass, Right. Yeah, I mean, the Mini 14, what I have a problem with is that as soon as a certain gun is used in a crime, they go, oh, we got to ban that particular gun. And as if the gun forced the owner to shoot somebody, uh, it wouldn't have mattered what gun that person had, they would have used it. Uh, it just happened to be a Mini 14. I mean, look at the AR-15. I mean, the AR-15's been banned in Canada now, even though it's been it's been a restricted uh, firearm in, in Canada for, God, what, 
45 years in Southampton. And there's only been one, I believe, recorded uh, death or shooting uh, with an AR-15 in Canada that, you know, sorry, one death, I believe, uh, in Canada that was recorded from, uh, that where an AR-15 was used. And, but that, that AR-15 was smuggled into Canada and it was gang shooting. Yeah, and that was back in the 60s, wasn't it? Uh, 70s, I believe. 70s, and okay. Yeah, yeah and it was, it was in Vancouver. I mean, it's like, there's been no, like nobody, nobody in Canada has ever lost their life to a, to someone using a legally purchased AR-15. Not one. Not even one. Yeah, now see, now that is the crux of it right there. It's the whole legally purchased idea. And that was something that even uh, the former chief firearms officer in Ontario, uh, I'm not sure if he was forced to admit it, but he did actually come out in the media and say, legally purchased handguns are not the problem. And he directly said, you know, not the problem in Ontario. They're not what's causing all the, the shootings in Toronto right now. And, but of course the government doesn't want to hear that. They just want, all they wanted to do is say, yep, we need to ban handguns and ban firearms and ban these rifles and confiscate because that's what's going to win us votes in Toronto. Yeah. And I mean, and that's what's happening right now with this whole, uh, Nova Scotia inquiry. I mean, we're finding out that, I mean, this week we found out from another, uh, from another RCMP officer that, that he was actually directed by the government's lawyers, not to mention that the government uh, attempted to uh, interfere. I mean, he's, he's in the investigation. Yeah, that, mean, that's insanity, that, that, that inquiry. I mean, it's more and more is coming out all the time, but this one was revealed this week since our last show that that the government lawyers are, are are trying to stop people from testifying. Yeah, well, and I thought it was a really puzzling, too, that when the RCMP uh, witnesses who were testifying in this inquiry are only allowed to, t to answer questions from commission lawyers, not from lawyers on the, uh, the victim side. And I thought, okay, that's really odd. Yeah. But he testified anyway. Yeah. And he gave that information anyway. And, I mean, this is... Well, I, mean, quite, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. I mean, this this government is, is just, uh, time and time and time again, is just proving how corrupt it is and how, how little to no respect for the rule of law it has. That part is absolutely true, and I really want to commend uh, the RCMP superintendents like Darren Campbell, who was the first one to speak up, and this other gentleman, I can't remember his name off the top of my uh, head. Leather. His last name is Leather. Leather, okay, and uh, Superintendent Leather. I mean, these gentlemen are actually exemplifying what, well, the integrity of police officers. These guys are what the cops are supposed to be like, and... I just really want to hand it to the both of these gentlemen for telling the truth and standing up saying that this isn't right and 
they're not letting themselves go down with the ship. I think they're these got these gentlemen are fantastic. Yeah, and they're proving exactly what we said two years ago when the OIC uh, came out banning all these guns. I mean, you you and I both said on the show at that time that the government was exploiting the worst. Uh, you know, mass killing in in Canada's history for political gain, and and they're proving less right. Yeah, no, they totally are. Yeah. So now the last firearm on this list that I want to talk about. There's actually a, a lot more, and if I we do a little bit of research, you can see there's a whole list. Obviously, eighteen hundred plus now, but there's a a, a Sig Sauer pistol that they put on the banned list. That the the MPX. Now, it's not the MPX that the military police use, but they use a Sig Sauer pistol as well. So um, I guess maybe they won't have their sidearms banned, but they're offering $2,600 for this pistol. That's uh, that's actually quite a bit of money, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the uh, retail pricing is on that, on that one. Yeah, I don't either, but that, that does seem... Uh, like a pretty high price. I mean, it's, it is a high-end gun. I didn't look up what a, what one would cost new, but I know when I was looking into Sig pistols, they're all they are all are in that that two thousand range. So they're probably not that far off of that one. Yeah, I mean, Sigs are are like that. That's a premier firearm. I mean, they they make they make really really nice firearms. Yeah, well, I've seen the one that because uh, I, I have a friend who's a military police officer, so I've got to see their 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 Sig firearms, and yeah, wow, they are they are nice. I didn't get to hold it, but I got to look at it at least. Yeah, <laughs> if I if I had actually been able to uh, to buy a fire uh, a handgun before they decided to uh, go ahead with this these new laws, I was going to pick up either a Sig Sauer or a uh, a CZ. Those are those are like the, the two. I mean, there's there's a there's a number of handguns that are that are like really high quality and all that, but those the Sigs the Sigs and the CZs are just they're so nice. They're really nice. Yeah, and actually, as a side note to wrap this segment up, you mentioned uh, you know that you were considering getting a handgun because of, before this ban, when that ban was announced on handguns, the the ban of buying or selling. Uh, handguns. Handgun sales have spiked in Canada to the point now where, well, people can't get them because they're flying off the shelves so fast because people want to get that other handgun they've always been looking at now before yeah. the band comes in. <laughs> exactly, but let's, let's not overstate it. They're not flying off the shelves because the, because the government made this, this, this rule that you had to uh before they 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 put the freeze on the on the purchasing and selling they had a new rule that for every single firearm purchase you had to get a a transfer uh approval from the provincial firearms officers and so these i know lots of people who have been waiting months for their for their handguns to be approved for for the sale, they're still waiting. Yeah, well, true, and that's great that they're getting in now before the law actually becomes official. So uh, 
Good, good, good job, Justin Trudeau, for being a handgun salesman. Yeah, yeah, I know the the sale of handguns and uh, has is like at an all time high. Like they sold as many, and I think after the after the announcement, uh, I think they sold as many in one month as they normally sell in a couple of years in the whole country. Yeah, it was it was insane. So uh, yeah. So yeah, so speaking of buying what someone is selling, Andrea Horvath has decided already she wants another political job. So Andrea Horvath, as I'm sure most of our listeners know, was the leader of the Ontario NDP. She fought and lost four elections as Ontario NDP leader, won her own seat in Hamilton, of course. And she was a city councillor in Hamilton before joining the provincial NDP. And now she's decided... I'm stepping away from leaving Ontario politics and, oh, you know what? I'm going to pull a Patrick Brown and I'm going to run for mayor. So. Yeah. <laughs> good, luck, good luck, Andrea. I mean, I think she'll win uh, just because civic elections usually end up going left-wing. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, civic elections tend to have quite a low voter turnout in Canada. Uh, it's uh, it's actually pathetic that for civic elections, 25 to 35 percent is about the normal voter turnout. So really, it's just the most dedicated supporters. So you're you're probably right. She probably is going to become the next mayor of Hamilton. Well, the crazy thing is, is that the civic elections, I mean, civic governments affect you even more than provincial governments or federal governments because they're the closest government to you as a as a citizen and they and they control a lot of your taxes and all of that and yet nobody cares yeah that's really you know you're absolutely right the civic governments your your city councils and stuff yeah i mean those governments who are closest to you really are the most accountable because they're the ones that you're most easily able to reach and they're the ones we care the absolute least about electing so i don't i don't i don't understand why that's uh like in the states right now there's a big thing with school boards and you know citizens have finally caught on that holy crap we're uh allowing a lot of real idiots to run our school boards so now school boards elections have actually become really really popular in the states and Maybe it's time Canadians said, um, yeah, we got a bunch of absolute tools on city council. Uh, hello, Saskatoon. And it'd be great Victoria. if we could actually get rid of them. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say Victoria. Oh, my God. Victoria has got to be the worst. Victoria has the worst city council in Canada. Yeah, and very ironic that the mayor of Victoria's last name is Helps, because she's no help at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I can't even say good luck, Miss Horvath, because I'm pretty sure you're going to have an easy time winning. It's just, uh, I'm, not, I'm probably going to refer to this as the Patrick Brown syndrome from now on. It's like, okay, well, I'm done with this level of politics, or they're done with me, so now I'm going to go find another political job. And it's just like, are you doing it for the pensions? Are you doing it just because you feel like you need to run for office, any office? It's, uh, it's smacks of opportunism. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that last week, and uh, and I agree. I mean, I don't, I don't see, I, I don't like when politicians just jump from one political 
uh, elected seat to another political elected seat, just one after the other like this. Or if they can't get the one they want, they go for a different one. And it's like, I, I, because oftentimes those people just aren't, aren't there for the right reasons. Yeah, well, I think back when I was a kid, there was a fellow who was my MP for two terms and with, with Brian Mulroney. And then he decided to run provincially and then served two terms with the provincial government in Alberta and then retired. So I thought, okay, so he worked 16 years as an elected representative and now he's collecting two full pensions. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the opportunism. All right, so now, Canada, every now and then, Lewis and I will come up with a topic that we don't tell the other person about just so we can get a good surprise, honest reaction. And one of those is today. So now, Lewis, of course, you know who the, the WHO is, the World Health Organization. Yeah. And you and I discussed off the show that they declared monkeypox last week to be a, quote, global health crisis. Yeah. Now, Canada at that time had 681 monkeypox cases. So um, now you'd pointed out correctly, Lewis, that the monkeypox virus really seems to be affecting homosexual men more than anybody else in the population, correct? Yeah, and, and by a substantial margin, it's like 90% or something of the cases. Right, so now the WHO heard you, Lewis. They've got your back. The WHO, has, this is the part that Lewis doesn't know about, announced this week that homosexual men, gentlemen, sorry, but you should just not be having sex with multiple partners anymore. So any of our listeners out there who happen to be gay men, sorry, stop dating, just stop, period, that's it. You need no sex life right now until the WHO says so. Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> I uh, I don't know how you can possibly disagree with that advice. I mean, it's like, don't go around having unprotected sex with a whole bunch of different people or men, like with a whole bunch of different men. I mean, it's kind of common sense, right? I mean, you shouldn't do that anyway. Monkeypox or no one monkeypox. Well, and that was advice that was given out during the AIDS uh, pandemic back in the yeah. 1980s. Yeah. So it's uh, it's not bad advice, but I just think that, okay, Pierre Trudeau, way back in the day, had said the government has no business in the bedrooms of the nation. And I'm on that side of the equation. Like, uh, okay. Well, so as, as am I, but, I mean, let's be real. I mean, up until just recently, no one was even admitting that the that it was primarily a gay man's, like a, like a gay men's disease, right? Like that it was primarily being spread by the gay community within the gay community. Nobody was even willing to say that. So now that they are, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I, it's good advice. It's not like they're saying it's a hard and fast rule. It's not like they're saying, you know, we're not, we're not going to, you know, like, if you're caught having sex, you're going to jail. I mean, it's it's not like, God, they're just saying, hey, here's our advice. Stop having unprotected sex with multiple partners. Yeah, and that, actually... That's, um, good, that's good advice. 
It is good advice, and actually, you were one of the earlier ones who had uh, pointed out that this was a, uh, a, a you know a gay man's a gay community the disease that was being passed around. So it's good that yet again the uh, the mainstream media has caught up to us, uh, or in this case, to you. And it's good advice, and I think they could have spun it a little differently. Maybe maybe they could have said something about the um, well. You know, emphasize using protection or something like that. I just think that it's uh, it's a little patronizing just to say, um, yeah, you really need to stop doing this. It's like, well, uh, how about you protect yourself better? How about you be smarter about what your choices instead of just saying you need to stop that? Like it's uh, it's none of their damn business, honestly. Well, I don't know. I mean. Like I said, advice is advice. You can take it the way you want. Um, I mean, if they were coming out and saying they're going to start hunting people down and charging them with with having unprotected sex, um, that's that's different. But advice, I don't care. I mean, advice is any any advice is good advice, right? I mean, it's like they it's like the WHO when they were advising that people wear masks. Well, that's great, but when they've made when governments made it mandatory, that's different. Okay, I'll, I'll go. I'll go with you on that one. That that one I'll take. But uh, yeah, I'm still not gonna get a buy with their. Uh, you know, stop having sex with multiple partners. Well, it's the dating game. But but you're right. If they stress the unprotected part, I'm a little happier with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I just, uh, I, uh, the WHO has been, has been kind of, you know, their, their, their reputation has taken a massive hit, as it should. They got a lot wrong with when, it, when it came to COVID, uh, and they, in fact, they got a lot wrong, like not, not a little bit. <laughs> a lot, and uh, and and they're still, you know, trying to play the fear game. I mean, it's so whenever they say anything about anything now, it's you got to take it with a grain of salt. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just because, yeah, they have got absolutely zero credibility with me over the, and it's because of the COVID thing. It was because of the don't wear masks. Oh my God, you got to wear masks and. Oh, you've got to get your shots, and then you find out that oh, those shots aren't very effective, and so yeah, so maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's just part of it that I just don't trust the WHO. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I certainly don't, and uh, I mean, I don't trust after after the last two years. I don't trust a whole lot of people. Yeah, well, absolutely right. So, uh, well, yeah. that'll be a good tie-in for the big topic today. So we teased it out earlier. White privilege has now become more inclusive. This is a, how nice of us. How nice of us. This is fantastic that government bureaucrats, who I'm just going to guess are white liberals, and it's not, not the liberal part is actually pretty clear because of the government who appoints them. And I'm pretty certain that they're all white because only white liberals would come up with something so stupid. And this is right from Citizenship and Immigration Canada, folks. So, uh... You can look this up. There is a new definition of white privilege. Quote from Citizenship and Immigration Canada, White privilege means benefiting from unearned power, advantages, access, and or opportunities based on being white or 
or, 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 being perceived as white, end quote. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> well, what it means is people who, uh, who don't agree with, you know, I will look at, look at, uh, let's say Larry elders in California, a black man, but he gets, he, but he's guilty of white privilege. Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, that's actually a good example. I mean, Leslie Lewis in Canada would be another one. She's a black conservative woman who would be guilty of white privilege. And then, um, and as always, Canada, when uh, we, we appreciate when you send us messages on Anchor.fm. Listener Mackenzie, you came through for us again without even knowing it. He had responded to my rant uh, about white privilege and mentioned that, well, where he grew up in southern Ontario, that the local reserve not far from him, the kids upon graduating high school would receive an entitlement check for 19 grand. And he said, well, I never got one of those. And then that got me thinking that the reserve that the Pope visited when he was here was uh, in, in Alberta was at, at Musquisseys, which is just south of the city. People in Alberta might be more familiar when it was called Hobima, but that's, that's the same place. There, being the richest reserve in Canada because they sit on very productive oil fields, back when I lived here 20 years ago, every citizen at Hobima, at Musquisseys, would receive a $100,000 entitlement check just for, just for the privilege of turning 18 and happening, happening to be a resident of that reserve. So, um, a hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars. So, uh, holy crap. So those Cree Indians are now guilty of white privilege. Cause that's, that would be unearned advantage. So, uh, yeah. we'll take wow. it right from citizenship and immigration. Those first nations people have that unearned advantage of getting a huge check just for turning 18. All right, so I guess the definition of uh, of white privilege now means that that you uh, that white how do I say this that 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 you don't have white privilege if you're poor or if you have a bad like a a, a menial job and it doesn't matter what race you are. Well, that's effectively it like I uh I thought about it and I thought one of my best friends growing up was a, a native fella and he now he has a really good job he's a supervi supervisor uh and he's got a beautiful loving family and I thought oh my gosh my 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 native friend is guilty of white privilege because he's he's worked hard and become successful and you know enough Another friend of mine who happens to be black and went to school, became an electrician, and then him and his wife started their own business in the food industry and now have, you know, a huge plant and a bunch of employees and are living a good life. I thought, my God, my, my black friend is also guilty of white privilege. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's, th this is nuts. I mean, if you really want to get down to it, Every single person born in Canada is guilty of privilege. Well, so 
Yeah. Because if you if you compare that to, you know, the majority of the rest of the world, every single person who lives in Canada has, let's say, white privilege. Uh, because you, you were born in Canada at no choice of your own. And and you you so you uh, benefit from living in this country without having earned it. So anybody born in this country, by their definition, is guilty of white privilege. Because to be in the top 1% of the world's income earners, you need to make $34,000 a year American. That's for the top 1% in the world. Well, there you go. That's... uh... And virtually everyone in Canada is in the top ten percent of the world. Yeah, so that's that's a actually a really good take on it. So just by being a citizen of this country, we're all guilty of white privilege. That that's actually a really good counterpoint uh, to bring to an argument if you're arguing with your leftist friends about this Canada. That yeah, we could every one of us could be perceived as white because just by nature of not even just being born here, becoming a citizen here, living here, yeah. being a permanent resident. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, And I mean, you're seeing this in the States with uh, universities especially, and I'm afraid it's starting to come here too. Like we had talked about the, uh, the George Brown uh, University where they have to declare online if they have benefited from colonialism and... And in the states, there is a—they're actually cutting back enrollment for Asian students now because Asian students are performing far and above better than any other American. So now they're lumping Asian students in with whites and cutting their enrollment for blacks and Hispanics. And it's—I it, it mean, the inmates are running the asylum. Yeah. No. This is this this whole. Uh, I. I, I'm just at a loss of words now for how nuts this world is. I love that because you're never at a loss for words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's absolute insanity. I mean, uh, and you're right. The best way, the best counter argument to that, and not even counter argument, but the best way to uh, point out how stupid this is is just to point out that yeah, just by being Canadian, every single one of us is guilty of white privilege by this definition yeah just just and i and i want to stress it i i don't know i can't stress this enough like 34 grand a year american which is like you know roughly what 40 dollars a year which is 20 it's about roughly 20 dollars an hour if you're making 20 dollars an hour you're in the top one percent of the world Wow, and and if you're making and, and 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 so in Canada, like if you're making minimum wage, you are in like the top five percent of the world. Well, that puts it in perspective. So, yeah. So I mean, like, honestly, if you're living and working in Canada, quit your bitching. <laughs> Yeah, hey, that's a uh, that's a really good way to put it. So, um, and actually, maybe instead of tying into our next topic now, we could just even just wrap the show on that. Unless you want to.
go over by a few minutes? Yeah, let's go. Okay, so um, being in the country, definitely white privilege. Returning to the country, had you traveled, still not so easy. Now, border politicians on both sides of the U.S. and Canada border are saying, Arrive Can has to go. And NDP MP, Brian Massey, who's a Windsor area member of parliament, is one of the more vocal ones saying, I represent a border community. Arrive Can sucks. Yeah. No, it's... They're finally getting on board. I mean, when the NDP is starting to get on board with with something that the Conservatives have been calling for for a long time, you know it's really time for it to go. Well, and it's... it's, I mean, it's the the tourism operators, especially in southern Ontario, Niagara region especially, because that's one of Canada's most popular tourist destinations. And... They're hurting because it's not just, I mean, the, not just American travelers coming to Canada who are saying, this is BS, we're not doing it. It's Canadians who have made day trips to the U.S. as a regular part of their routine who are now saying, screw it, I'm not going to go across to Buffalo and do a bit of shopping and come home. I'm not going to go from Vancouver across to Blaine to, just to fill up my gas tank anymore because this arrive can is BS. And I thought it was really rich that even, you know, Brian, Mr. Massey, the, uh, the NDP MP had said, this app is, is, is just about tracking people. And I thought, who's been saying that for two years? <laughs> yeah, I think it's these two dumbasses from Western Canada. Exactly. And, and they finally are now admitting, and this was a couple months ago, they, when they admitted finally that the Arrive Can app tracks where you are and that's why they want foreign travelers to disclose where they are going in Canada and I understand now completely why travelers from all over the world are just lifting the middle finger and saying screw you Canada I'm not uh, I'm not signing up for this ridiculous app that's going to track my movements yeah one thing that I have noticed uh, is that this year like tourism has basically been opened right back up again and i live in a really high tourism area and what i've noticed is that there are very few very few overseas travelers there's some americans but not like there normally is and there's almost there's almost no overseas travelers here i don't blame them i mean i think that's horrible because they bring an awful lot of money in, and yeah. but I don't blame them one bit because they've got to have they've got to download this Arrive Can app. They've got to upload all their vaccination information into it. They've got to tell the government when they're coming, where they plan on going, and a whole re- list of other well unnecessary garbage. And then you've got idiots like Omar Al Gabra talking about oh how much more efficient this is and how we want to start you know entering in more of your customs information so they can just scan your passport and then link that to the arrive can app and then you hear they're sending full the app I should say is sending fully vaccinated people to quarantine and there's no appeal there's no mechanism for that fully vaccinated tra- traveler to say um this is BS. Here's my vaccination. Oh, too bad. Don't want to hear it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, there's been lots of videos that have been uploaded uh, to the internet lately that are showing, like, Canadians, who, like, seniors who don't even have cell phones at the airport arguing with the CBSA agent because they, uh, they have... Uh, they have all the documentation proving that they're vaccinated. But because they don't have the app, they're going into a mandatory two-week quarantine. Oh, it's ridiculous. And I mean, the one that's gone the most viral is that gentleman who is 86 years old says, I don't have a cell phone. And you hear him on the video saying like, you know, they asked if he had his shots. He's like, yeah, I've had four of them. So he's like, he's, yeah. he, he's got all his shots and he doesn't have a cell phone. And the government is so sympathetic in Canada that their only reply is, well, you should find someone who does have a cell phone then. Like, and travel, yeah, borrow the cell phone or travel with that person. What if that person doesn't want to travel? What if they don't want to give over their cell phone to someone? I mean, that's, that's the most ridiculous BS I've ever heard. It's like, I'm sorry, but my whole life is in my cell phone. Why would I hand that over to someone else? Oh, exactly, yeah. And then uh, Andrew Lautner made a good point on his show uh, just after uh, our interview with uh, with him. And he had said that, you know, sometimes the, the app isn't working or they can't find what they're looking for. And that the CBSA, the Canada Border Security Agents, are sometimes asking people for their cell phone to try to help them to find that information. And he made a good point. He said, don't ever hand your cell phone to anybody because then they have your whole life right in their hand. Yeah. Yeah. By handing over your cell phone, you, you give them permission to look through anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, uh, I know that that video with that gentleman who was 86, he was, I think he was with his daughter and she was just saying like, no, I'm not willing to give him my cell phone because obviously, well, she needs her cell phone. And what bothered me the most was how completely unsympathetic the, uh, the border agents were, but, uh, yeah. we're, thought we were supposed to be a country of compassion. <laughs> well, I never gave you that idea. <laughs> yeah, we're compassionate to bring in refugees and whatnot, and we're not even doing that right now. I mean, it's a joke the, the how how far backlogged our immigration and uh, refugee system is right now. But yeah, now we're going to punish well people returning to their own country. And as Andrew Lawton had said, I mean, Canadians have a right to return to their own country. We are citizens of this country. We cannot be denied entry to our own country. Yeah. They're making it as difficult as they possibly can through this stupid app, and they keep doubling down on this stupid app. And I don't even want to travel just because of the app. Yeah, well, and like like our listeners know, I've got two trips traveled uh, outside the country, or sorry, two trips planned and booked. Like, they're already booked and paid for uh, for this fall and winter and uh and i'm leaving the country for both of them and it's like i am just hoping like hell that they scrap this thing before i before i go well i'm hoping now that finally they're getting well they've always been getting pressure from the, the tourism operator for example but now they've got border politicians on both sides of the border who are you know, letting them know how stupid this app is. And they've got, yeah, I think Brian Massey is actually a very important figure just because he's part of the coalition that runs this country that 
it's it's got to go and i think now they're finally going to get some political pressure that uh well i never want to say this government's going to do the right thing because they never do but i really hope that they uh can at least try to smarten up like this uh this has got to go i mean that this, this pressure has got to go somewhere because it's hitting the well it's hitting the government where the votes are it's uh there's yeah. a lot of votes in southern ontario and that's where there's a crap ton of tourism yeah yeah no i agree i just i just hope that you know for once they do the right thing yeah well uh Let's hope Canada, and let's let's end wrap the show up on that message of hope. Let us hope that the government actually gets their heads out of their collective rear ends and is willing to admit that this arrive canap is an absolute fail. Yeah, no, I absolutely like I I just can't say anything more than that. I mean, yeah. Let's hope they do the right thing. Let's hope they get rid of it. Let's hope they make life easier for people uh, who want to travel in and out of the country. Yeah, I mean, tourism brings in huge dollars to this country, so let's make it easier. Yep. All right, Canada, we're going to wrap it there. We do want to thank you for joining us. And again, we apologize that the audio was not 100% quality. We did have it right for the one show, so hopefully the app will uh, quit glitching out for next week's show. But until then, thank you for joining us. It is Tony in Alberta today. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony.